This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It is Friday the 13th. We are just days, hours, hours away from the kickoff of Super Wildcard Weekend in the NFL. We have six games on tap uh, Saturday, two, three on Sunday. Then, of course, Monday night, kicking it all off or ending it all with Cowboys and Buccaneers. So, um, John, we have a solution to a potential neutral site AFC championship game. And um, keeping in the true spirit of both the Kansas City and Buffalo environment, of course, of course, they're heading to a dome-covered Atlanta. Um, I don't know. That just <laughs> it, I, like it is what it is, John. I get it. Uh, I, I, you know, you know, my issue um, with the whole situation wasn't so much about home field advantage. It was more or less about who gets the bye week. Uh, but it, it just I don't know. Two teams that play in cold weather are heading to uh, a dome in the South to go play the AFC Championship game? Potentially, potentially. Again, this is assuming Buffalo and uh, uh, Kansas City meet in that uh, AFC Championship game. But, um, yeah, it just it, it's kind of like, okay, that's... It is what it is, John. I, I hope... I, I know some people have suggested that it could potentially be a something that is looked at in the future for future championship games and it makes a lot of sense from a financial standpoint uh for the nfl not for the individual teams um but i i hope i hope that doesn't pick up steam and i hope it's just a kind of an overreaction to what we're seeing right now yeah if this is a norm then count me out because you play a 17 game schedule to earn the number one seed and that means you have home field advantage throughout the playoffs that's your reward, right, for being the best team in the conference during the regular season. Now, they had to do it this year because, of course, what happened in Cincinnati a week and a half ago. And isn't it ironic that the AFC championship game could be played in Atlanta where the Atlanta Falcons are an NFC team? Yeah. Like, that to me is kind of comical to begin with. Um, I thought the best place to keep it outdoors and somewhat, you know, equidistant to Buffalo and Kansas City might have been Nashville. Yeah. You know, again, an outdoor stadium a city that I think can handle crowds. I mean, that's a tourist destination for sure. I thought that would have been a pretty good location for this. Keep it outdoors with two cold weather teams. Nashville's a really cool city. Um, I know they bandied about Indianapolis because it's exactly 500 miles from Buffalo and 500 miles from Kansas City. But apparently there's a big volleyball convention in Indianapolis (laughs) that weekend because Indianapolis is so centrally located that they get a ton of conventions and they've got the convention space, et cetera. So, I would have voted for Nashville if we're going to have a neutral site. Atlanta, to me, is not even the right conference, uh, but it is a city that can handle this. They had the Olympics back in 1996, mm-hmm. and their infrastructure is pretty darn good. So they, they could handle 70,000 fans coming oh, from sure. Buffalo and Kansas City. That's not even an issue. Yeah, look, I, I'm not concerned about that at all. It's just, to me, it just kind of, all right, sure, it's kind of lame. Like, I look, I, I love neutral site Super Bowls. You know, again, maybe because that's kind of been the – you know, what we're used to and what we, we've had for the entire existence of, of all of this. But, you know, th- to me, that's that's fine. And I think that adds, you know, that's a great tool for, for bringing in, like, for example, Houston has hosted a couple Super Bowls. Do you think in their existence of their franchise that they're getting anywhere close to a Super Bowl without hosting it? No. Right. So, yeah. I, I, no. like, I, I do think that there's value in having those neutral site Super Bowls and it does create an event and, and that's what the Super Bowl should be. Um, however, I'm, I'm definitely against any sort of permanent uh, switch to a neutral site championship game weekend. That just, I'm, I'm good with that. I know logistically it might be a, you know, pop the eyes of the network, you know, it's like, wow, we can have almost like a, a championship series. If you want to think about it, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe they have both games on the same field or, 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 very close to one another. So I don't know there's a lot of possibilities that again, may look good from a pure business standpoint, 
and and possibility standpoint, but in terms of just keeping the spirit of the game, you got you got to keep these things uh, at home in the future. And I hope this is just a a temporary solution. Again, I mean, it's it's not perfect. No one, we were never going to get a perfect solution to the issues that the NFL and these teams were facing in terms of trying to reschedule and and try to keep it as close to the spirit of of what the season was playing out to be. Um, I think they missed the missed the mark on that one. Uh, as I said a couple weeks ago or a week ago or whatever, when the solution came out, I thought they should have just gone off the tiebreakers based on just losses. And by that, I meant, you know, I think that kept it as, as true to form as what it could have and more likely would have been going into the final week. And that is, well, Buffalo still controlled its own destiny. Uh, Kansas City would have needed help in order to, to gain that number one spot. And uh, Cincinnati certainly would have needed even extra help uh, to to leapfrog both those teams. But um, unfortunately, John, they didn't call me. My number's not listed. They didn't. No, no. I mean, Roger Goodell doesn't speak to anybody. In fact, still hasn't become public since um, the DeMar Hamlin episode 10 days ago. You'd think he would have something to say, but he's he's like the Wizard of Oz. He's the man behind the curtain. One thing I've always suggested, and, and we know there's two weeks between the conference championship and the Super Bowl, why not have one conference championship game on Saturday and one on Sunday so they have their own day? How many times have we seen the conference championship game delayed because the other one is in overtime? Like It happens all the time. I remember Patriots against Indianapolis in 2014. I mean, I already punched about three holes in the wall after Green Bay had lost in overtime to Seattle. Uh, but they delayed the Patriots-Colts game because Green Bay-Seattle was in overtime. Right. So I would give them their own day and it's not going to really benefit either team that wins because, okay, you get one extra day of prep time uh, if you play on the Saturday. But that's one suggestion I'd have in just the AFC championship game on Saturday, the NFC on Sunday, and then you flip them every other year and give them each their own day so that the networks can really build, you know, Mm -hmm. pre post game show and they're not kind of stumbling over each other, which has happened often. I mean, even last year, right? Cincinnati and Kansas City. Let me tell you, John. Yeah. Back in 2014, the championship games, and again, this this was part of, <laughs> it's funny to think about because this was kind of part of why Deflategate caught legs. Well, if you remember correctly, that Giants and Packers game, when, I, I'm sorry, Seahawks and Packers game, I, I don't want to go that mm-hmm. far but that far back, that brings back bad memories, uh, for you too as well, yeah. so it's not a... <laughs> A lot of bad memories. A lot of bad memories. But in this this one, you remember that Seahawks-Packers game went to overtime, which delayed delayed the start of the AFC Championship game by about 40 minutes. And the situation that unfolded was the officials, the game officials, the the, uh, uh, staffs from each team, including the ball boys, John, were all in a room together waiting for the conclusion of this game. And given the fact that it was delayed almost an hour, the start, and once you hit that field, you're not coming back in the back until halftime, the ball boy went to the bathroom. And here we are talking about uh, deflate gate and deflating, like, I mean, talking about like rapid deflation, precise deflation in the bathroom. Remember that discussion? People were like, yeah, you can do it in 90 seconds. And you see people up there like on camera, like doing it as fast as possible. Seeing, yeah, yeah, see, you can deflate perfectly all these balls. And I'm like sitting here thinking like, man, if that game was just not delayed, he never goes to the bathroom. <laughs> you know what I mean? He goes about his business, goes back to the locker room at halftime, does his bit. You know what I'm saying, John? So, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, those. I've been in that bathroom actually because I went to a Revs match the next year, and you know I'm just kind of curious, so I walked down the hall, which is just away from where the Revs locker room is, and I went in the bathroom there just to check it mm-hmm. out. There's not a lot of security an hour after a Revs game, so um, yeah, I, I saw that bathroom, just a run of the mill bathroom they have there in case someone needs to go one or two. But yeah, I mean, I, w- I would definitely try to separate the conference championship games day by day. Look, the NBA does this. Right? Yeah. Once you get to the conference championship games. Uh, conference yeah, but 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 you're talking about a series versus seven, right? Yeah. yeah, but give it, you know, give it its its own time. Yeah, because those games all start at nine Eastern. Yeah, and I, look, and, and I good, can see a good audience, and I can see that too because of <clears throat> the fact that you have that gap that weekend before the Super Bowl, so you're not going direct. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, if this was you know no bye week between the championship game and the Super Bowl, that wouldn't fly because then one team would right. be on a short week, and that's you know 
can be looked at as a disadvantage here it's it's negligible i mean what are you talking about here well one team has 13 days the other one has 14 now i i don't care go out and win you know so no big uh, difference yeah no exactly so all right um yesterday yesterday uh we we ranked our um nfc quarterbacks uh you know power ranked them a little bit you know and you know gave our opinion and we're gonna do that with the afc side of things before we get to our picks because we only have six games to pick so it's not like the weeks pass where we're going through 12 13 14 games um so just like we did yesterday we'll start with number seven work our way down and um you know give our thoughts and then of course you can berate us on twitter online whenever you feel like so all right number seven for me and this uh, yesterday was a uh, two different types of lists, John. Um, <laughs> I think this list is a little bit more straightforward. Uh, but I'll say this: number seven, Skylar Thompson, just because. Well, <laughs> who the hell is Skylar Thompson? I mean, do I have to say anything else? And the guy has what, like six quarters of playing experience. Uh, he's bad. Yeah, I mean, from what we've seen, he's really bad. There's no hope for Skylar Thompson. Yeah. Um, you know, I. I get the feeling I wish I could vote some of these teams off the playoff island yeah. and put in a couple of other teams that are more deserving, like Pittsburgh and Detroit. It would have been so much fun to see Detroit in the postseason because they're, they're actually a pretty darn good team. They won, what, eight of their final ten, or you could have had Pittsburgh in there as well because they've won seven out of their final nine, and you've got two coaches that are very charismatic and Dan Campbell and Mike Tomlin. Yeah, Miami's there. They lost five in a row. They eked out the win over the Jets. Skylar Thompson is number seven for me, but you know, maybe they could bring Ryan Fitzpatrick back. I mean, he, you know, probably still sling the ball around a little bit. Yeah, Fitz Magic. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he'd be better than Skylar Thompson. Well, I mean, with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Yeah, and, that's you know that that's true. But at the same, I mean, at the, look at the same time, I, I don't even think with Tua they had stand much of a chance against Buffalo. Uh, Miami's just you know a complete 180 from what we thought they were at the beginning, or at least during the first half of the season, and certainly on their third string quarterback, it's it's. It's going to take what you would call a miracle uh, for him to um, overcome this, I would say. And, and mm-hmm. then we might be talking about the the legend of Skylar Thompson and uh, move aside Tom Brady. Let's just put it that way. Uh, no, <laughs> number six, uh, whoever is going to start for Baltimore, Tyler Huntley or whoever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, again, two of these teams are in, in just horrendous shape when it comes to the quarterback. And... What we heard today or earlier this week about, you know, Lamar Jackson's knee injury kind of being a little bit more serious than we thought. This 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 isn't a, you know, this this could be a, have some long term ramifications for the Ravens, and I'm not even entirely sure that he's going to be back with them next year. Uh, that is Lamar Jackson, which you know would potentially make him the most sought after free agent this off season. Uh, can, depending on on the market for Tom Brady, and of course depending on his health, because well, you're not going to shell out 150, 200 million dollars guaranteed for a guy that may not even be able to stay healthy. So, um, but anyways, for them, whoever's starting for Baltimore, I mean, you're not you're not going to come close to these top five quarterbacks above them. So, um, do you disagree, John, that whoever plays quarterback for the Ravens is number six? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, and maybe they can get Joe Flacco back. I, I seriously, like, well, Joe Flacco maybe isn't a good answer. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick would be better than Joe Flacco as, like, an emergency quarterback. Doesn't they do this in hockey sometimes where guys that haven't played for a while all of a sudden show up in the postseason and start to contribute? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the Baltimore quarterback situation is a mess. Who knows what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson? Is he making a business decision? And I can't blame him for oh, that. I, Why? I wouldn't either. Why make that need worse when you're going to be a free agent? Now, Baltimore can put the franchise tag on him. There's two different types of franchise tags. I guess one, you keep him at about $45 million. The other one is about $30 million. But teams can go out and sign him, and then we'd have to give Baltimore two first-round picks. I think at some point there's been too much damage done between Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore management team, ownership, general manager, whatever, mm-hmm. that they may have to move on from him at some point. And I think part of the problem with that is that he has his mom – as his agent, which is commendable. It's, it's a great story. But the idea of having an agent is to give them 3 4% of the total of the contract because they deflect everything away from you. Yeah. So you're not hearing the owner say, well, you know, Lamar's not quite Joe Burrow. He's not quite Patrick yeah. Mahomes. You don't want the mom to hear that because now it becomes personal. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Ravens and Dolphins, they would have to pull off major upsets to win this weekend because they just don't have 
much, if at all, anything at quarterback. Yeah, and, and that's obviously we know this is a quarterback's league. So number five for me, this is where now we can really, you know. This is fun. Yeah, now we can get fun. Uh, <laughs> number five for me, and I think a lot of this list can, can change. I mean, th- this isn't set in stone. This is <clears throat> something that could, uh, you know, the landscape of this list could change over the, ne- the course of the next few weeks. Let's just put it this way. But number five for me is Trevor Lawrence. And he's had a one hell of a rebound second season. And, you know, one of the main reasons why this team is a playoff bound team and an AFC South division champions. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited and eager to see what he does in the playoffs because we know it's that the playoffs are just a different animal. Um, are you going to elevate? Are you going to rise to the occasion? I think he's going to. I don't know if it's going to be enough to beat the Chargers, but individually, I'm excited to see him play because, you know, again, his his status in the AFC could drastically change this postseason, as could several of these quarterbacks, to be honest with you. Um, but for me right now, Trevor Lawrence at number five. Yeah, I've got Trevor Lawrence at number five. And look, his leap from year one to year two, was incredible. A lot of that has to do with the fact that he went from Urban Meyer as head coach to Doug Peterson as a head coach. Um, and they put some weapons around him, try to shore up the offensive line. And they won that division at nine and eight. He's got all the skill set that you want. He's an adult. He's mature. Seems to be a really good leader. His teammates bond with him. He's sensational. I mean, we're looking at a quarterback who is one of the most highly decorated quarterbacks in college and then coming into the pros where he was a can't-miss number one overall pick, and it seems like he's going to prove everybody that said that to be correct. He's that good. I have him at number five, and it just shows you how deep the quarterback position is in the AFC because this is the fifth-best quarterback in the AFC. And Look, in the NFC, he could be in the discussion of maybe being the best quarterback or going forward being the best quarterback in the NFC, but he's still got a few guys to leap over here in the AFC. Yeah, and look, I mean, he's really – you know, we we started talking about this season with him, and we're like, oh no, you know, he's he's struggling to start again, and it's like, all right, did we overestimate? Although we saw we saw some of the raw talent skill that he had, it just too many turnovers, it just wasn't working for him. But then it started to click, and and like I said, I mean, the next step in his evolution um, is going out there and performing in the playoffs. And uh, you can say the same exact thing for this next guy on my list, and that's Justin Herbert. Um, I almost, for the sake of the franchise, I almost want them to lose. I almost want them to get absolutely blown out of this water because then it would, I feel like it would give them absolutely no choice other than to fire Brandon Staley and then go through the process of getting Sean Payton, which I, I think would drastically alter their franchise and, and kind of the course in which, which they go. Uh, Herbert had a up-and-down season this year. Um, I don't think he necessarily took the massive strides I think we expected from last year to this year. But I think down the stretch, they he settled down a bit. You know, th- that talent is there. Uh, if they're healthy, if their team is healthy, I mean, you're, you're going to be hard-pressed to find too many other teams that have that level of talent across the board. But the problem is health and utilizing that. And I think that's the biggest problem for this team and it's certainly not justin herbert so uh number four for me has got to be justin herbert i've got herbert at number four you know i love him um i think he's become one of the most polarizing quarterbacks in the league because there's some of us who think he's right there with mahomes and burrow and allen i think talent wise he certainly is he's not in as good a situation as those guys um he didn't really have his receivers this year they were both banged up throughout the season his left tackle missed most of the season he played through some some severe injuries i remember week two he got his ribs destroyed, and I think he, you know, he plowed through that. I think he's tough. I think he's smart. He's got all the skill set. But I think you're right, Ian. If they lose and it's ugly, maybe the Spanos family decides, okay, we're going to go after Sean Payton. And I think Sean Payton is kind of laying back to see what happens, especially the first weekend of the playoffs, because I think there's three coaches that could be let go after this weekend. One of them is being Brandon Staley, the other one being Mike McDaniel, and I also think Mike McCarthy. And look, if Dallas gets blown out or loses to Tampa. Jerry Jones may say, go get me Sean Payton. Yeah. Um, so I think Sean Payton is kind of waiting to see what happens this weekend. But, yeah, I, I love Herbert. I think he's every bit as good as those top three guys in the AFC, just not in the right situation yet. Um, and I, I think he'll shine on Saturday night. But I'm looking forward to this matchup. I think it's the best matchup of the weekend because you got 13 feet of really talented quarterback yeah. battling each other. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm excited for it too. Uh, number three for me, uh, Josh Allen. Um, th- there's perhaps no one, no quarterback in the league that – accounts for more of their, their team's offense 
than Josh Allen, both, you know, obviously through the air and on his legs. Um, you know, we, we still see every so often, you know, it's kind of his signature is like, you know, he'll, he'll have those moments where he looks like first or second year Josh Allen, but for a majority of the game and majority of, of the season, they're just a team that knows how to win. Um, it may mm-hmm. not be pretty. I mean, they've dealt with circ- various different circumstances that not many other teams have dealt with. Uh, poor weather. Um, the, the things like that never seem to be brought in, into the discussion as to why a quarterback's numbers may look low. Well, when it's snowing and the weather impacts it, well, yeah, it's, it doesn't mean they had a bad game. And, of course, if they come through and deliver in the bad weather, well, yeah, that's a great game regardless of what the stats say. So um, I think Buffalo has been able to <clears throat> weather the storm. Um, I, I think there's a lot of pressure on a team coming in with such high expectations as Buffalo has. And I've seen other teams and other quarterbacks crumble under those expectations alone. And I'm not going to say they thrived. I mean, it's 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 hard to... I mean, look, I, I thought they, they were almost a lock for the number one seed. And unfortunately, they lost that opportunity, not by any action of their own, but because of some extenuating circumstances. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not... You know what I'm saying? It's just... It happened. Unfortunate for Buffalo. They could have been at home this entire postseason, and I kind of expected that. Uh, however, uh, the reason for that is primarily their quarterback, and I think Josh Allen is, um, I mentioned before, a guy that a few wins in the over the next six weeks uh, can can greatly elevate his status in this league. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a joy to watch, right? I mean, he's got all the physical talent. The leadership is off the charts. Um, he's tough. He's just a sensational quarterback. I have him at number three as well. I mean, picking among the top three guys in the AFC is like, you know, do you like the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, or Zeppelin? You know, pick, pick. Sorry for the old reference, but those musical acts still sound pretty good when you listen to them. But, yeah, I mean, we're talking about three sensational quarterbacks. And, and again, four and five aren't far behind, right, And Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence, and I think they're just as talented as those guys. Just going to have to, you know, they're making their playoff debuts. Josh Allen is now um, in his fourth playoff uh, appearance, a uh, fourth playoff season. So yeah, he, he he's great to watch, and and there's a lot of pressure on him though. He was the MVP favorite going into the season. They were the favorite to win the Super Bowl, and you know now they're going to have to dispatch of Miami, which I'm sure they will, and then most likely have to play Cincinnati in the divisional round, which is it will feel like a conference championship game because the AFC has those three superpowers. But I've got Josh Allen also at number three, but not far behind the other two guys. No, and, and that's, yeah, and, and the idea, and we'll get to this in just a moment, um, and I've seen this quite a bit, that the idea that there's a massive gap between Patrick Mahomes and everyone else is absurd. And that that's such a forced, forced narrative because my number two guy is Joe Burrow, but... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. I think the the gap between those two are so razor thin that hell, if Joe Burrow goes out and wins the Super Bowl this year, I, I, how are you going to argue? First of all, I mean, it would be still absurd to argue that Patrick Mahomes has somehow lapped the field. Which again, I've seen. It's not true. There's a lot of really good young players in this league, and the gap isn't this massive, you know, canyon in between them. Um, like, I'm going to give, again, I'm going to go Joe Burrow at number two. And I'm going to give, obviously, the edge to, to Mahomes because, well, you know, he has won a Super Bowl. He has won an MVP and is likely going to win another one. But if I'm looking at it down the line, you know, in a vacuum, no one's going to convince me that Joe Burrow is not a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And, again, I, got, I, I give a lot of credit to what you've accomplished in this league and people will sit there and say well that's what we've been saying about well we're not talking about a seven super bowl difference here we're talking about one super bowl win difference between joe burrow and patrick mahomes so there's a lot more 
room for for wiggle room there. You know what I mean? We're not talking about this huge gap. So Joe Burrow goes out. Say he goes out and wins a Super Bowl this year, and very likely that would mean probably playing Kansas City uh, at some point. Um, I would not be surprised if if that momentum for him being the best quarterback in the league uh, really starts to take over, and and I think it would be a very legit conversation. Yeah, I mean, and if he beats Kansas City in the postseason, he'll be 4-0 and against Patrick Mahomes. You know, at some point, those head-to-head matchups do count for something, um, and it's not like Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the adequate weapons. Joe Burrow does have adequate weapons, <laughs> better than adequate weapons. Yeah. I mean, both teams are loaded uh, on offense, and I think both teams are decent on defense. I think Cincinnati's defense is, is, is better than Kansas City's. You know what? We're going to do a Skip and Shannon routine here. I'm going to put Patrick Mahomes at number two. <laughs> All right, you would think our all... roles would have been reversed in this conversation. Right. Well, <laughs> you, you know my feelings of, of Joe Cool. Yeah. I, I love him. I mean, he's, he's, he's the heir apparent. I thought it was going to be Justin Herbert once Rodgers retires, which could be next week or in two years or whatever. One of those two guys will be my favorite quarterback in the league. I love Joe Burrow's personality. Yeah. I just, I, first of all, he's commented on social issues. I love that when someone has that platform to speak out. He's bright. He's charismatic. He's cocky as all hell, and I love it. Love every moment of it. I just like the fact that when he was drafted by Cincinnati, people asked him, are you going to ask to get traded out of this hellhole? He goes, no. And go yeah. there and win. And then, what was it, last week, they asked him, you know, what's your window to get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl? He goes, as long as I'm here, the window's open. Yeah. And then, you know, if it comes from someone else, it's like, man, that guy's kind of full of himself. But you know what? He backs it up. So I'll go Mahomes number two. Uh, because he's 0-3 against Joe Burrow, so I'll, I'll have Patrick Mahomes at number two. Yeah, and trust me, like I said, maybe this was me trying to um, you know, really force the not biased <laughs> issue here and say, well, I'll just put Patrick Mahomes, I'll give him the, the nod. But again, to your point, and this is kind of what we've been harping on about Kansas City this whole season, yeah, like, you know, he's had an excellent season. Is there this uh, massive gap? No, there isn't. And you could very well make the case that Joe Burrow or even Josh Allen was a better quarterback. But like you said about Joe Burrow, there's just a lot about him. You talk about all those, like, characteristics, and people are like, well, what does that have to do with football? Well, that all goes into being a great leader. I mean, you talk about, you know, talking about social issues and doing all these other things. Well, guess what? That's going to resonate with your teammates. And well, how do you, how do you become the best leader? Well, people follow you. <laughs> I mean, and that's what I, it seems like this team does with Joe Burrow. And I'm with you. I like the confidence because he delivers. And we, we say it all the time. There's a fine line between cockiness and you know arrogance and you know being just confident. Um, Joe Burrow is confident because he can back it up. And I, I just I like the way he plays the game. I I don't think there's a you know, old quarterbacks aside, I don't think there's a quarterback that plays the game as even keeled right now as Joe Burrow. And again, like I said, that that's excluding Brady, you know, from the conversation. So um, I, I think I coined the hashtag. At least I'll take credit for it. Why not? Up um, to fact check this one. Baby Brady. I mean, he, he plays a position the closest to the way Tom Brady plays it. Well, in, ter- um, in terms of it doesn't like that's the thing. It doesn't matter. You do what it takes to win. Exactly. And, and, and unfortunately, yep. too much of how we view this game or a lot of fans view this game is raw numbers. So, uh, you know, and I bring this up all the time. People, you know, half the people would say this probably didn't even watch the game. Uh, but they always bring up, you know, Brady's first playoff start. Oh, he sucked against the Raiders. Did he? Did he? You're just looking at, you know, one interception, 145 yards passing. But the re- – or uh, – uh, I think he had like 317 yards passing. Um, so like, oh, he didn't even throw a touchdown. Well, he rushed for a touchdown. He threw more yards against a Raiders team that had they had given up all season. It was a very elite Raiders team at the time. And oh yeah, there was a blizzard. But John, that doesn't come in. That doesn't factor into the conversation. Oftentimes, it's just about raw numbers. So when people look at these numbers, they're like, oh, did, you know. He didn't have. He had a terrible game. It's like no, he didn't. It's it's about winning and it's doing what it takes to win. And I think Joe Burrow uh, does that. And and you know if if it means handing the ball off, it means throwing it. You know he's just going to come through in those moments more often than not. And again, sometimes perception isn't um, really a reality. I think in this case, mm-hmm. perception is reality when it comes to Joe Burrow. So uh, so obviously I have Mahomes at number one. But and again, a lot of that I'm you know giving credit where credit's due. You know. 
won a Super Bowl already, very likely going to be the MVP this year, but um, I, I wrote number one in pencil. Let's just put it that way, and I already have the pencil turned around ready to erase. In a month from now, you know, we can have this discussion and you can take the top three guys, and they'll probably still be the top three guys. I mean, I mean, if Justin Herbert goes on a crazy run in the postseason, maybe you throw him into the conversation as well, but you could kind of shake the bag up and come up with a different order. I mean, if Josh Allen does what Josh Allen can do and just carries his team to the Super Bowl, considering all that organization in that city's gone through yeah. over the last six, eight months, then, you know, you vault him to number one. If Mahomes does what a lot of people think he will do, then it would be his second Super Bowl victory. Then he would clearly be number one. And if Burrow gets back to the Super Bowl and wins, make the case for him. So yeah, a lot will be uh, at stake over the next month with these three really brilliant young quarterbacks that I, I think um, have the AFC in really good shape going forward. And, and again, we've continually mentioned Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. I mean, man, if you're another team in the AFC, you're like, I got to get one of those guys. Yeah. It's not easy <laughs> to find. Well, look, and, 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 and that's, that's the, that's the best part about what we're, we're heading towards this weekend is like, yeah, you know, you got some of the old guys in the NFC. Um, but you know, the, the AFC is showcasing the, the absurd amount of young talent they have. And again, and this isn't me being a hater or whatever. It's it's just it's it's a matter of fact. I mean, the gap between, you know, again, we talk about those the top three is kind of, you know, kind of a tier of their own. You know, you can put Mahomes ahead, but I think the difference between him, like I said, him and Burrow is so negligible. I mean, again, it's it's I'll give credit to the Super Bowl winner, you know, right now, but that can change. Uh, Josh Allen, like you said, I mean, everyone was talking about when Von Miller went down. Oh, Buffalo Bills have no hope. Well, that's silly. They have Josh Allen. Of course they have hope. Mm -hmm. You know, and we've seen that. And again, are you going to... I don't know if Kansas City can win in in every situation. I'm pretty confident that Buffalo, given whatever situation they face, can win a game. Doesn't mean they will, but I think they can. And I kind of feel the same way with the Bengals. Um, Kansas City, I, I think... I'd say, if this makes sense, I'd say their, their chances of winning are higher overall in the AFC. But I, I think Buffalo, certainly, and, and I think Kansas or Cincinnati can win in more ways than Kansas City. Like, I think the game, like, mm-hmm. I, that may not make sense. Um, it makes sense in my head, which, again, isn't necessarily a... I understand thing. it, which may mean that I'm not all there either. But, <laughs> Look, but don't judge I it. I think I know yeah. it's like two crazy guys, yeah. that, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts counter yelling about just, something. Just, just re- reaffirming our craziness. We're like, yeah, that's right, yeah. right? And you're like, yeah, no, okay, I know exactly, okay. No, what, what you're saying is, though, that Cincinnati and Buffalo have better defenses, right? So... Um, I, 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 think, a, I think they're also better... I think they're better situa- situationally on offense, too. So it's not just yeah. defense. Like, I know what you mean, yeah. Like, like if... if um, because we see, we see it almost every single week where Kansas City just decides to be non-existent. And I don't think that they can do that against Buffalo. You can do that against the Raiders and win. You can do that right. against, uh, I was going to say Indianapolis. Well, they didn't win that game. So, uh, there's you, problems there. Yeah, and, and you can't do that against Cincinnati. You can't do that against Buffalo. So, fortunately, they're only going to have to see one or the other. They're not going to have to go through both. But, like, I just... I, I think just in, uh, defensively, yes, I think they're better. Although, again, this is this is kind of the the silliness that we get into when it comes to Kansas City. Uh, their defense isn't bad, but we're they're talking as if it's the worst defense in the league. This team was a sack machine. I think they had fifty six sacks this season. Like this mm-hmm. is a good defense. I mean, yep. good relative to again any any sort of great defense that that. Brady's had most of his career, or or uh, Cincinnati, I think, is a better defense. But I don't think it's a big difference. You know what I mean? No, like, no, no. Yeah. No, so, and, and Kansas City's built to protect a lead, right? I mean, they're kind of like the Colts were with Manning, where, okay, get a lead, and then you unleash Dwight Creeney, Robert Mathis, and, you know, you close the deal. That's how you're kind of built. The problem with Kansas City is if you get a nip-and-tuck game and you're down a little bit, maybe you have trouble getting off the field. And we've seen that before, where – I think Buffalo in the regular season game was down and then Josh Allen just went on this massive drive to win the game late. You know, it was like they couldn't get off the field and that can happen against Kansas city. But these three teams are so close. Uh, And again, I still think there's a wild card literally in the AFC that could crash the party because they do have high end talent and that's the chargers. And I'm sure Kansas city is rooting for Jacksonville in that Saturday night game, because I don't think they want to see the chargers. The chargers are not frightened of Kansas city. and They're not frightened of going into Kansas city and playing the chiefs. 
Yeah, and, and like I said, I mean, if you really want to get down to it, how many elite quarterbacks or elite teams have Kansas City beaten in the postseason? I mean, it's great and all, eight mm-hmm. and three over the last eleven games, but you know, you got Baker Mayfield littered in there, Jimmy G, lost to Joe Burrow. You beat Josh Allen by the skin of your teeth, <laughs> but you beat yeah. him. You beat Bill O'Brien um, <laughs> after being down twenty-four to nothing because oh. he got a little crazy in that game, you know. And and what that was just an offensive explosion too by Kansas City. I've never seen anything I, like that game, right? They were down twenty-four nothing, and then they end uh, up scoring what fifty-six or whatever. It was just one of the wildest games I think I've ever. It looked like the Golden State Warriors on a football field. Yeah. So I mean, the the, the point is, and again, this isn't a well, they're not really good because they haven't beaten good quarterbacks. No, I mean that you you winning in this league isn't easy, but. You know, are you going to sit here and ask me to to one hundred percent confidently say that they can go out and beat any elite? Well, I don't know. They've lost to Joe Burrow, lost to Tom Brady twice. You know what I mean? Like those mm-hmm. are those are by far the best quarterbacks that you face. And then Josh Allen, and again, thirteen seconds. You know, you won the game. All credit where credits due. But to pretend like that was a a convincing win. I mean, that's silly. So now you're looking at it like, okay, well, who do they beat? Well, they beat teams with mediocre to bad quarterbacks, and they lose to really good quarterbacks, or it's very, very close. So <laughs> if you're asking me, and again, the the one in five record against the Bills and the Bengals in the last six games speaks for itself. I mean, that tells me, well, yeah, they may be the number one seed, but <laughs> I'm not betting the house on them. Mm-hmm. So, all right. And I, I believe also three of those came at home. Yeah. You know, they they yeah. lost to Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game, and I believe the last two seasons in the regular season to Buffalo. So, yeah, th- those three teams are that close. Yeah. So, all right. Let's, uh, we only got a few minutes left here. So, uh, let's, let's do our picks. Finally put it out there. You know, we got, um, six got games it. and potentially so maybe some upsets here. We'll, we'll see. If you consider, uh, it's kind of funky if you consider, you know, obviously Jacksonville is the higher C, but, you know, char- or, you know, we'll see. We'll see if that's an upset. But uh, we'll start with Seattle at San Francisco, once a very heated rivalry. Obviously, it's still a rivalry now. It's just not uh, to the level that you would expect. However, we've seen stranger things happen between these two teams, uh, regardless of what their records are and what they are coming into the playoffs. So, uh, but with that said, uh, I got to take San Francisco at home here. Um, they're, I think they're just too good, and I think what we've seen from Seattle the last month and a half, and and most definitely the last game of the season, uh, is mediocre football at best. And I I just think this is a matchup nightmare for them. I mean, I I think it's going to be closer because of it being a division rivalry, and you know what I mean. There's always going to be some funkiness in those type of matchups. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think San Francisco runs away with this one. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think they'll name the score, move on to the divisional round, and again, this is the third matchup of the season, so they're familiar with each other, but at the end, talent wins, and talent is a checkmark, big checkmark for the San Francisco 49ers. All right. Chargers at Jacksonville. Like I said, I mean, Jacksonville's technically the higher seed. You can argue that the Chargers are a better team. Um, and maybe it is technically an upset based on the seeding. Uh, but I like the Chargers in this one. I, I, I'm with you. I think it's going to be probably the most entertaining game of the weekend, or at least with, with there's so many different you know elements that, that go into it. We've already talked about uh, Trevor Lawrence. We've talked about Justin Herbert, both winning and the implications of both winning and losing for the Chargers team. Um, I do think that they eke this win out, uh, even though, again, it kind of got has me concerned that they're going, you know, across the country. And I mean, not that they have any home field advantage. We've talked about that plenty <laughs> on this show. Uh, but I, I think the Chargers are, unfortunately for them, again, like I said at the beginning of the show, I think it'd be better for them to actually lose. Uh, I think the Chargers are um, going to win this one. I think they'll win more talented team, slightly more experienced. They've got some game breakers on both sides of the ball. Um, I do like the coaching advantage with Jacksonville, Doug Peterson over Brandon Staley, but I don't think that's going to be enough to turn the tables. I'll take the Chargers to advance. All right. Miami at Buffalo. Um, look, Buffalo, I, you know, I, I think this would have been an easy win for them had even two have been playing because even when he was playing, um, he was starting to regress a little bit. Uh, maybe not regress. He just wasn't playing up to the level that, you know, we had seen 
certainly during that time of the year where we were talking about, well, the Dolphins haven't lost when Tua starts and finishes a game. Well, they, they lost a few with him starting and finishing towards the end of the season. And uh, yeah, he's not starting this game. We've already talked about Skylar Thompson. This this is going to be a this is going to be a blowout. This might be this might be on the level of what we saw from the Patriots and Bills last year in in the wild card round. Yeah, it could be. The only thing I'm concerned of is how much Buffalo's been through over the last several weeks, and it was emotional last week to at least secure the number two seed, and now you're coming back against a team you beat twice this season, but the games were close. But again, as you said, Tua was quarterbacking in Miami and playing at a pretty high level. Now you've got Skylar Thompson, who we both agree is the worst quarterback in the postseason. Uh, yeah, Buffalo advances. Next, we have the Giants at Minnesota, and John, I... I'm taking the New York football giants and I'd feel better if Al Bundy was coaching him like in the movie little giants, but <laughs> Brian Dable, not a bad, uh, not a bad choice. Uh, no, I just, for some reason that popped into my mind. Uh, <laughs> actually, actually it was Rick Moranis who was coaching the, uh, <laughs> the little giants. Uh, of course, Al Bundy was coaching the Cowboys. Um, Actually, I would take Al Bundy over Mike McCarthy yeah, for the Cowboys, to be honest and with you. Rick Moranis could kind of pass as uh, an off-brand Mike McDaniel, right? Yeah, there you go. There you go. A little yeah. bit dorkier, but, you know, hey. Yeah, um, nerdy guy. <laughs> anyways, back to the game. Uh, we talk about Minnesota all the time. Negative point differential, despite having 13 wins this season. It's just, that to me, I'm just, it, that I just can't fathom that. That just does not make, it, it feels like that should be mathematically impossible. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And somehow they're the only team, or, or they weren't the uh, the only team in the NFC North to have a positive one. Didn't even make the playoffs, and it wasn't the Packers; it was the Lions. <laughs> but the the Vikings, um, I, I just I can't. I I've seen you know the I I think the the comeback win obviously I think has glossed over a lot of issues. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that that would have been an. They were getting blown out by Indianapolis. Let's not forget that. And, and right, credit where credits due, they came back and won that game. But that hasn't stopped their subpar play throughout the course of the last stretch of the regular season. So I'm sitting here thinking, like, man, this team is just winning by the thinnest of margins, literally. And I I I think they're right for an upset. Against the Giants team, that's scrappy. I mean, they're not, you know, look, the Giants aren't going to go on this run. They're not the, the 2007 Giants that, you know, no one really picked. But there were a lot of signs that that team was was elite. I think people just looked, didn't realize it. You know what I mean? That defensive line was absurd, and they played up to that level throughout the playoffs and certainly in that Super Bowl. Um, I don't think that Giants team is that team now. But I think they're very similar in the sense that they don't really care like who you are, certainly not the Vikings. I mean, it might get a little bit more intimidating if you're going up against the Eagles or, or like the Bucks or whatever. But they don't they don't care who the Vikings are, how many games they won. They're going to go in there and just play sort of free. And and again, a lot of this has to do with how the coach is. And I think Brian Dable is a great coach. Um, so I like the Giants in this one. And maybe it's a little bit of an upset. Maybe in hindsight, we're going to look back and say, well, the difference between these two teams isn't that great. It's just a matter of the Vikings having, well, Several several more close victories than the Giants. Eleven and zero in one score games. That's Wild. amazing. I mean, Wild. when they were losing, they were getting blown out. Green Bay blew them out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Dallas blew them out. Like you said, Indianapolis was up by five scores at halftime in that game uh, about a month ago. So they're prone to get blown out. I don't know if the Giants can blow them out. I think the Giants do win. I think Daniel Jones, uh, with his legs, may be able to make some big plays. These teams just met a few weeks ago. It was a three point game won by Minnesota so you see the same opponent within a month maybe you just turn around a few of the results and the ultimate result I'm going with the New York Giants uh, I guess that same conversation could have been could have been had in 2007 sad 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 <laughs> 15 years later man I, I can't believe that that's, that's crazy. Still can't get over that one yeah well yeah. I, I'll, it's going to be on my grade uh, grave grade <laughs> it's going to be on my gravestone <laughs> let's put it that way like you know I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to put on there, but just sad. Circa don't 2007. be one of these people that already has. I, I mean, I have relatives that bought their gravestone, already had their name, you know, oh, yeah. in it, and I'm like, you know, this is someone who really plans ahead, right? My 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 look my my 
my grandmother was like that, you know, and she, yeah, you, you know, obviously she, she passed away last year yep. or, or in 2001. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I remember visiting her future gravestone with her to go see other relatives. And it, to me, that's just a little too morbid for me. Like, uh, I, I'm not those, those type of habits. I'm not picking up from, <laughs> from my relatives. I, I have a friend who walked in the funeral parlor and said, I'm here to, you know, pay for, um, a wake. Yeah. And they said, okay, who's the person? He goes, me. And then he handed them like the cash and said, you know, when I go, here's where it's at. Cause he didn't want to put his kids through it. No, so, that's, you know, that's, that's fair. That's that fair. really plans ahead, but yeah. it almost felt like the beginning of a Hitchcock film. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Th- that to me is a little, I feel like I'd be jinxing myself. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> Get hit by a car on yeah. the way out. <laughs> At least I was prepared, but uh, yeah, anyway, so so yeah, we're both taking the Giants. How about that? Uh, next, Baltimore yep. at Cincinnati, and I have a feeling we're both taking the Bengals in yeah. this one. Um, again, Baltimore is a mess, even uh, like uh, more so than just in this week. I mean, going forward, I think there's a lot of questions to be had for that. So uh, very easily, we're both going to take the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, so. they just played last week, and I don't think Cincinnati showed a lot. They didn't really have a good offensive day, and Baltimore's defense has still been pretty good. They just can't move the ball. They can't score points, so Cincinnati moves on. All right. Perhaps maybe the marquee matchup, or at least one's going to get talked about the most because of the franchises and particularly one quarterback that's involved. Um, Tampa Bay hosting Dallas. And, look, I I got to go Tampa Bay here. Um, they beat them earlier in the season. I, I've seen their offense, the Buccaneers, start to look far more like what we're used to seeing them. And that could be a very dangerous thing for the rest of the NFC and perhaps whoever they potentially could meet in the Super Bowl uh, if they continue to build off this momentum. Now, there's no guarantee. Trust me, this is the least confident I've ever been in a Tom Brady-led team pick in my life. Uh, But at the end of the day, if you're asking me, who am I going to trust? Tom Brady or Dak Prescott? Well, I'm taking Tom Brady 100 times out of 100, and that's assuming Dak Prescott is at his peak and not what we've seen him the last six weeks. So um, you factor in what we've seen him and how he's played. Um, Give me uh, Tom Brady 150 times out of 100. Yeah, I mean, I I don't like to ever pick against him, but I think Dallas is going to win this game. I just think they're better. I think they have a better roster. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win because they're the Dallas Cowboys and they tend to, you know, poop their pants in these moments. And Tom Brady elevates him and his teammates so often. I mean, I also get the feeling that everybody's picking Tampa Bay. And when that's the case, I kind of go, well, wait a second. One team did win 12 games and at times looks very impressive. So I'll, I'll take the Cowboys. And since I'm oftentimes wrong, you probably feel better about your Tampa pick. <laughs> well, I mean, considering our conversation the other day centered around movies that premiered in 1993 and the last time the Cowboys won a road, road playoff game, yes, I feel very confident. Uh, and the fact that uh, as a underdog, Tom Brady is 4-0 in the playoffs. So I like uh, That's nuts. I like, Do you think that I like Dak that. Prescott – here's the thing that you know, we talk about Mike McCarthy. Um, if they lose in Tampa, maybe his job's up. <laughs> At some point, does Dallas say maybe that, or more so likely he's not the guy? Like, the Dallas Cowboys, they move on. I mean, I don't know what his contract situation is. You can get a possible headache trying to figure all that out. I think his contract is as uh, absurd as, say, Russell Wilson, where Denver's stuck with him. At some point, does Dallas move on from Dak Prescott and say, we, we need someone better? No, Look, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I don't think... Like, look, Dallas is in a situation with Sean Payton because of the history, obviously, um, and just, you know, Jerry Jones <laughs> being enamored with, with, with Payton. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it would be a wise one, because I, I do think he's a better coach than Mike McCarthy. However, I don't think Mike McCarthy, I, I think Mike McCarthy has gotten a bad rep. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Like, I think he's a, he's a really good coach. I just, you know, he's not tier one elite, but, you know, again, I think he's, especially based on what we've seen, throughout the majority of the league. It's like people calling Mike McCarthy a bad coach. But, yeah, I, I think there's a legitimate question to be had that, well, well, Dak Prescott's been around for a little while now. Um, and what have they really accomplished? Nothing. One playoff win, that's it. Yeah. And I guess yeah, relative over, to what they what they did before, then, yeah, I guess that is quite an accomplishment. But, you know, the reality of it is, how long are you going to scapegoat the coaches? You know, I think Jason mm-hmm. Garrett kind of ran his course, and we get it. It was all right. But, you know, again, 
how many other coaches out there that are better than Mike McCarthy? And I know there's going to yeah, be names. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, and, and know, I'm not talking about saying. the I'm not talking about the overhyped guys. I'm not talking about the new right, young right. guys that get o- yeah, always yeah. get overhyped and you know who knows what they actually become. You know, I I, I very I mean, look at Sean McVay. I mean, the guy is about the seems like he's about to flame out for a season. And Mike McCarthy's been coaching what 15, 16, 17 yeah. straight years. So yeah, became head coach in 2006. So yeah, yeah it, when Green Bay then took a year off and then came back with Dallas. And I've done this before. McCarthy and Sean Payton have identical records, nearly yeah. identical records, regular season, postseason. They each won a Super Bowl. Um, they both lost in conference championship games. They both had great quarterbacks. I'd say McCarthy had the better quarterback, Aaron yeah. Rodgers over Drew Brees, right? But two huge brands, a lot of pressure coaching those. They're not that different. It's just, it's more of optics and style. Like, yeah. Mike McCarthy looks like a guy who worked at the Department of Public Works. Like he's just kind of this big, Pittsburgh guy who, you know, probably is pretty fun to be around, have some pizza and beers and everything. Sean Payton really puts himself forward as kind of an intellectual, like yeah. the smartest guy in the room. So well, I think and, and also, into that it also has bit. to do with the quarterbacks too. And, and again, I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll accept it too, as a Rogers fan that, you know, Rod, it's certainly, there's a point in time. It's, it's a lot less, um, it, it, the, the heat on it hasn't been turned up to that level recently, mm-hmm. but there, there was a point in time where they're very defensive about Aaron Rodgers. It was everyone else's fault oh, yeah. but his, and and yep. Mike McCarthy was often the the you know the lightning rod of criticism. So to your point, that perception was there. Um, the the moment the Saints won a Super Bowl, they returned to to, to New Orleans. I mean, you 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 pretty much put. Uh, Peyton and Breeze's name up on a pedestal that just was not going to come down, and for for good reason. I mean, I'm not saying it was undeserved, but I think that's the difference there. And and again, perception True. is often what what drives these conversations and and drives how we discuss them. But at the end of the day, and we talked about this earlier in the season, there's not a lot of really good coaches in this league. No, nope. like, there really aren't. Perception is that there are, but there really aren't. And I I think very very few can really be called like elite tier one. I'm talking, I could probably count on one hand that many people. So, all right. And I think, I think before, before we wrap, I know we've gone way past it. I think you make a great point. There's no doubt that Sean Payton and Drew Brees are the greatest coach and quarterback in Saints history. Like there's no debating that. I wish Archie Manning had played in a different era and, you know, had some offensive line to block from. When you look at Green Bay, (laughs) Mike McCarthy might be the fifth best head coach in that franchise's history. Obviously it's Lombardi and Holmgren and Curly Lambeau and, you know, whoever. Oh, yeah, that has a lot to do with it. But, uh, yeah, I think that uh, sometimes we overrate Sean Payton a little bit, and, and people make fun of Mike McCarthy. He does have a Fred Flintstone, Ralph Cramden quality to him, but the guy can coach. No, I, I agree. I agree. So we'll find out. We'll find out this weekend. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Obviously, we will be back on Monday, so we'll still have a chance to talk about this Dallas and Tampa Bay game. Uh, maybe we'll we'll reverse course on our picks if maybe something changed. You know, John, <laughs> just just saying. Uh, but if not, if not, be sure to uh, give us a follow on Twitter at FPC Radio Live and keep an eye out tomorrow and possibly Sunday as myself and Braden all a sec jump on for full press NFL Sunday as we preview more of these games coming up uh, over the next forty eight to fifty eight hours. I don't know. My math is a little a little, little tricky there. So, um, but thank you everyone for tuning in. Head over to fullpresscoverage.com, fullpresshockey.com, and give us a follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. So thank you everyone. And we will talk to you on Monday.